Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. I love youth ministry, but I just I actually really love being able to share with more than just the students too, but every generation and, and all the different people that are in the room this morning. So, so glad that I have this moment. And over the next few minutes, we're going to try and discover uh, what God has to reveal to us and remind us about purpose. Now, I know that when we talk about purpose, when we talk about calling, when we talk about, you know, what God has for us and all this kind of stuff, it's, it's language, it's phrases we use in church over and over again, but there's actually a reason why we talk about this kind of stuff so much, it's because we need to be daily reminded of it. We need to be daily reminded of it. So there might be bits and pieces of the sermon that you're like, I know that, I know that scripture, I know that story. And then there's going to be a moment where I believe God wants to reveal his promise to you again. He wants to reveal his purpose to you again. He wants to reveal his call placed over your life specifically, like you, individually, again this morning. And I think it's going to be great. If you're going to take notes, which I think is an awesome thing to do because um, how many people remember the sermon from four months ago? Mm, me either. <laughs> it was probably me preaching too, which makes it even that much more funny. But taking notes is just a great way just to remember what God is saying. And even if it's just writing down a couple dot shots, put it in your phone, text it to yourself, whatever you got to do to remember it. And if you're going to take notes, you can call this sermon Giving Up the gold, giving up the gold, and we're going to talk about why there's a big old cow on there. And it's actually because as you leave today, we've prepared everybody with a nice steak lunch on the church. Isn't that great? Wouldn't that be amazing? Just kidding. It's not happening. (laughs) But I think we should do that one day. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. Giving up the gold. Has anybody here heard the story of Moses before? Just give me a nod if you're like, yeah, I know who Moses is. Awesome. That's so cool. I'm going to bring us up to speed with the text we're going to read this morning in a moment because I don't want to just go with the idea that everybody knows everything about the Bible. So I want to tell you Moses' story and then we're going to catch up with the scripture, okay? Moses was born a little Hebrew baby boy. What the Bible um, called these people the Israelites. That was kind of their nation. That was their culture. They were the Israelites. And he was born this little baby boy and Pharaoh had in Egypt, he was like the king of Egypt, made this law that every newborn baby Hebrew boy must be sentenced to death. That is insane. Just think about that. When we read scripture, we kind of just like, oh yeah, yeah, like Pharaoh made this law where every Hebrew boy had to be sentenced. That's literally what it was. Like it's not like just something you could read over. That was true. That was a law he commanded. That would be insane. Imagine somebody doing that now. Like there would be an uproar, but this is what it was. So Moses' parents, they're like, we don't know what to do. So we're going to put him in this little basket, wrap him in a blanket, send him down the river. That was their best idea. That's all they had. Like it's not... That just feels like a little hopeless, don't you think? That was a crazy, crazy thing that they would have to do. It's nuts. Parents in the room, you know. You're like, I could never do that to my baby. But that's all they had. That's the only choice that they had. So he goes down the river. Miraculously, one of Pharaoh's family members finds this little baby Moses wrapped up in a blanket, in a basket, okay? And they raise him as their own. Later in Moses' life, he notices there's something a little bit different than, about him than the people that he's been raised by. Moses realizes and learns that he is a Hebrew. He is an Israelite. He, his family are enslaved by the people 
that raised him. It's a crazy thought. It's a crazy story that's happening, okay? And Moses is not cool with that. Like he's, he's, he's getting a little bit upset about this. It's becoming more personal in his life. And one day Moses notices an Egyptian beating up an Israelite slave. He was like beating him up and Moses was just not having that and he kind of lost control and he started to fight this Egyptian to the point where he actually killed him, okay? Crazy, crazy. He was upset because he knew that who he was, he was a Hebrew, he was an uh, Israelite and now his family, his people the, the, that he actually belonged to are enslaved by the people that he grew up with and he fights back and he ends up killing somebody so he knows he has to run for his life because if he goes home, it's bad news bears. It's just not going to be good. So he, he ducks out for a bit. And then God is, he's really worried about the Israelites. God is like, oh my goodness, my people, they're dying, they're enslaved, all this kind of stuff. I need somebody to set them free. So God chooses a dude like Moses. Moses was called to lead the Israelites. Moses had every excuse in the book why he could not be a good leader, okay? For example, he had to go up to Pharaoh and ask, remember, let my people go, that movie. I never watched it because I didn't grow up in church. So I just started watching Veggie Tales and stuff about three weeks ago um, when we were doing Kids Encounter. And it's awesome. I just love it. It's so good. So if you're like me, you know, watch some Veggie Tales. Watch that Pharaoh, Pharaoh movie. I don't even know what it's called. What is it called? Prince of Egypt, yeah. Not, not the adult one, right? Like the kids, the kids one. Okay, okay. But <laughs> let me get back for a second. Now I'm thinking of Veggie Tales. Where's my hairbrush? <laughs> and those songs are great. Not, <laughs> but they make you remember. Anyways, let me get back on the point. God calls Moses. He had like this speech impediment, like he stuttered. He wasn't actually able to like talk, um, especially in an authoritative position. And God chooses him. It's nuts. It's a crazy thing. So long story short, the Israelites are freed from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And they go through the Red Sea. Like Moses takes this big old broomstick and boom, poof, the, the sea splits in half. They run through it. It collapses on the army of the Egyptians. They keep going. The, the Israelites, if you learn, they kind of had this like whiny behavior like, I'm hungry. Can we just go back to being slaves? I'm thirsty. Can we just go back to being slaves? And Moses is like, you guys are idiots. Seriously. And God, God reveals who he is to the Israelites over and over and over again. So if you need a context of what the book of Exodus is about, it is a book of God revealing himself to his people. If you want to learn about who God is, Read the book of Exodus because you will see over and over again the hand of God, the mercy of God, the promises of God, the miracles of God, splitting a sea in half, hitting water and hitting a rock and water coming out of it, manna from heaven, like all of this different kind of crazy stuff. These are the kind of people that the Israelites were. And now we're going to get to the text in just a moment. So you could read it on the screen with us, or if you have your Bibles, you could turn to Exodus 32. But before we do, I want to ask you a quick question, okay? We're talking about purpose today. Have you ever had a point in your life where you've been trying to figure out your purpose? You're trying to figure out your call. So some of you are, are younger in the room, are, are, are junior high and high school students. The pressure is on for you. I remember what it was like. It wasn't that long ago. Yes, it was. It was like 10 years ago. I am now considered old. That's just the way it works. Because I don't know your lingo. Like I used a, a word last, um, 
uh, last service that I thought was just a lingo word, and then I looked it up, and it ended up not being just a lingo word. It had like a swear word in it. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said the synonym for that. But I just thought it was like an intense way of explaining something. And Maddie's like, you can't say that. I'm like, it's not a big deal. And then she showed me, I'm like, okay, that's a big deal. I, I, that is now not part of my vocabulary. And I'm sh- pretty sure that we um, uh, recorded the first service, so you'll be able to go back BethelStratford.org, look for that word, look it up on Urban Dictionary, and then you can just mock me, okay? All right, and I'm cool with that. But I want to ask you the question, do you know what your purpose is? Junior high, high school students, the pressure is on for you to figure out what you're supposed to do with your life, who you're supposed to be, who you, what school are you going to go to, what friends are you going to have for the rest of your life, uh, who are you going to marry, all these different things. Just kidding, just wait for that, just wait Just wait for that for a little while. Don't date in high school. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Anyways, the whole point is the pressure's on to understand purpose and understand calling. Maybe you're newly married like me and Maddie and you're trying to figure out these things like buying a house or eventually starting a family or like, Lord, I just need a new car and all these ideas of purpose and call are are just engulfed by finance and the issues of that. Or maybe you're uh, kind of approaching retirement and you're kind of coming to the end of your career uh, or maybe you're in it and you're like, God, what do you have for me now? Like, is my call over? Like, I've done my part, and I'm still going to be living, but, like, is my purpose gone? Is that it? Like, I'm retired now. This question will come to you over and over and over and over again for your entire life. And that's why I think this morning it might be the same question, but we need to be reminded by God and by his word of what our purpose is. And we can discover that in the text we're going to read. So read with me Exodus 32. One of my favorite preachers, Judah Smith, from a church in the States, he calls this the Sky Bible. I just think that's so funny. It's, this is the Sky Bible, so maybe you don't think it's funny, but that's okay. I think it's funny. I love Judah Smith. You're awesome. Please hear my sermon and ask me to come preach. It would be great. <laughs> Exodus 32, 1-4 says this. When the people saw that Moses was no longer, uh, was so long, sorry, in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't even know what happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So so all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. So a little bit of context. They're freed from slavery. They're going on this big journey to what God has promised them as this promised land. It was like this beautiful, magical place that they were going to go live, free from slavery, where the presence of God was going to be so thick there. It's, it's going to, it was, in a sense, I think it was, the idea was like this was going to be heaven on earth for them, okay? The promised land, the promised land. But um, as they're on their journey, they come to this mountain called Mount Sinai, okay? And God calls Moses to come up the mountain and spend some time with him. And we see that over and over and over again. If you read the Gospels, you'll even see a moment where many moments where Jesus steps aside from the crowd, gets alone with God on the mountaintop. And to imagery, um, to use an illustration like imagery, that's just getting away from the distractions of life. And Jesus must have had a lot of distractions if he had a lot of followers at certain points. So this is what Moses does. And in the original text, what it talks about when it says he was so long in coming down from the mountain, it actually meant 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, so the Israelite people have been freed from slavery. They have no idea where they're going. Okay, some of you are really bad with directions and you know just how they feel. Okay, and I'm not going to specifically tell uh, about anybody that's bad at directions or anything like that or... 
Oh, hi, Maddie. I didn't see you there. I love you. You're awesome. <laughs> and that 40 days and 40 nights. Imagine the person that you've been following into the abyss. You don't know where you're going has now, in a sense, deserted you for 40 days and 40 nights. Don't you think you could kind of put yourself in the shoes of the Israelites when we just like to say, they were whiny, they always like cried about stuff, and then they wanted to go back to slavery. Like, that's insane. 40 days, 40 nights, they haven't seen Moses. So their initial reaction is to say, you know what, we don't know where this Moses guy is anymore, so we need somebody else to follow. We need somebody else to worship. And that's one of the things I think we can learn about purpose, is that if you want to learn about your purpose, you don't actually have to learn by making your own mistakes all the time. You can actually learn from someone else's mistakes. Whoa, isn't that a like crazy idea? Where our culture actually tells us, go for it, make all the mistakes you can, learn from them, and then you'll be good. I agree with that. That's a good thing. But sometimes, a lot of the times, especially in Scripture, we can learn from other people's mistakes, especially from this story. And what I believe we can learn from the Israelites' mistakes is that we're actually purposed to worship. We are purposed to worship. I like to kind of explain it as like Christian DNA. It is in our life. We were created this way to be a worship being. So when we do not worship God, we inevitably will worship something or someone else. We can't help it. We don't call it that. Like we don't say we worship our phones or our TVs or, or anything like that. But we actually do. That's the act of worship is putting that first. Like this is my prized possession. And in the New Testament, we even see that this is not like, this is not like a new rule. Like Jesus talks about it. And I'll read it here in just a second. He talks about how um, we can't store our treasures here on earth. We can either worship God or we can worship possessions. We should worship God or he says specifically money because that's like, like the human default. Money isn't inherently bad, but the love of money is what is evil. That's what scripture says, right? So this idea of worship, it's actually our purpose. Like we can't avoid it. Even if you don't worship God, you might not even be a believer in the room today. And that's okay. You're on a journey. You're figuring things out. So glad you could be with us this morning. But you are a worshiper. Maybe you don't worship God, but you do worship somebody. You do worship something. Let me find my page because I lost it. Okay, here we go. If you're going to write down a point, it's going to be on the screen. You can write down this, okay? Our initial reaction to the absence of whatever we worship will be replaced by worshiping someone or something else. Our initial reaction to the absence of whatever we worship will be replaced by worshiping someone or something else. The moment the Israelites said, I'm done with worshiping God and following Moses, the first thing they said was, Aaron, we need a God to worship. And maybe you're not saying it in that kind of way, but when you don't worship God, you will worship something else. Like you, your body and your mind and your whole being will just go the other way. And you will worship. We're human beings. We're designed to worship. It's in our DNA because that's the way that God actually created us. Our purpose is to worship him. And I'm not just talking about like singing songs on Sunday and like raising your hands and doing all these things. And those are important and that's one way of expressing our worship to God. But I mean living life daily with him. Whether at your workplace or at your home or in your social circles or, or whatever your life has involvement with. Honoring God and worshiping God in that is what we're created to do. It's not what we do, it's what we do with what we do. Does that make sense? I know that was kind of confusing, but it's not what we do. So it doesn't really matter what job you have or what house you have or the family you grew up in. It actually has to do with 
honoring God through everything that we do have in our life. We are called to worship. We're called to worship. We're purposed to worship. The story gets even more crazy. Aaron says in, uh, in verse 32 of Exodus, um, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose up early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. That sounds like a party. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up and indulged in revelry or whatever that means. Basically, this was their example of throwing a party. They're like, we have a big, fat, golden cow idol to worship now. Let's throw a party. That's basically what they did. This is, what, this is where my brain goes when I try and imagine what God was feeling, okay? So I was picking on Zach earlier and you're sitting there again, so that's your fault, buddy. So I'm just going to pick on you again because I love you, because I love you and you're awesome. Is anybody thankful for Zach, by the way? And he's such, such a great piano player, great worship leader. Yeah, thank, I love you, man. The reason I'm picking on Zach is because he has a farm at his house. He's grown up on a farm. And here's what I want you to picture, okay? It's Zach's birthday, it's your birthday, Zach. You already know where the story is going, and you're like, yeah, but you know how it ends, and you, it's not going to be so good, okay? It's Zach's birthday. His mom and dad invite all the family, all the friends over. It's a party. Like, it is awesome. It's going to be so good. Zach notices all these gifts just flooding through the front door and every entrance, and you remember in Toy Story when, when it was Andy's birthday, and he was getting all the gifts, and he was carrying that little small one, and then he turned, it was actually just really long, a bit like, that's, that's your reaction, you're like, oh my gosh, there's so many gifts, and then you're just like, your mom's like, what do you want for dinner, you're like, of course I want pizza, because that's the best birthday dinner of all time, it's just mass amounts of pizza, mass amounts of pizza, so she orders all the pizza, like, you can't even lift it, there's so much pizza, okay, and I know you're jacked, you go to the gym all the time, but there's so much pizza, it's gonna be the best birthday ever, okay, setting the image for you. About an hour goes by, and Zach wonders, he goes, you know, that's kind of weird. Nobody has, like, nobody has said happy birthday to me. It's kind of my birthday, and uh, nobody has said happy birthday to me yet. So he's like, yeah, I, you know what, maybe I'll just go check out some presents. I might just, like, crack open, just take a little look, put the tape back on. And so he goes over, and he notices there's no tag that says happy birthday, Zach. There's nothing with your name on it. And you're like, that's really weird. And you're kind of getting upset. And then you're like, you know, I'm just going to go enjoy some pizza because I don't need my name on pizza. So he goes over to the kitchen. All the pizza is gone except for one old dirty slice of Hawaiian pizza. That's all that there's left. I know, it's gross, right? It's nasty. That's all there's left is an old cold slice of Hawaiian pizza. Do you like Hawaiian pizza, Victoria? Oh, my goodness. <sighs> we are going to be praying for you on Wednesday. We are going to be praying for you. So you're upset, you're freaking out, and you're like, why is nobody around? You notice that there's nobody in the house anymore. So you hear this party happening in the backyard, in the farm, and you notice that the cow is getting all your gifts, it's got pizza sauce and cheese all over its mouth, and everyone's celebrating the cow, okay? I don't know why Aaron decided to build a cow. I don't, I don't understand the reference of that, and there, there might be more to it, I'm sure. But here's what I really get from the scriptures, okay? This is just, this is Carlo's idea here. Is when we choose to worship something else or someone else than God, it will look in, it will just look so dumb in comparison. Like, does that make sense? When we're not worshiping God and we're worshiping some other idol, some thing, some person, in comparison, it is ridiculous. A big golden cow. Why? I don't know. All I know is that that is 
just ridiculous in comparison to the greatness of God. This is how God would have felt, just like Zach, if that happened on your birthday. We're going to make sure that never happens. And uh, I will be there to eat pizza with you, buy you big gifts, all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. God must have felt frustrated and abandoned and upset because his people were deciding to worship something like that instead of him. We're purposed to worship. It's in our blood. It's in our DNA. It's the way that God designed us. Crazy story. It goes on to say, I'm not going to read this. We could put it on the screen, but just to save time, I'm not going to read through it because it's a lot of scripture um, to try and get through in just like 30 minutes. But basically, God is like, Moses, look at your people. Look what your people have done. So God has handed over Israelites to Moses saying, I don't want anything to do with them anymore. Like, that's it. I've had enough. They're your people. And Moses is like, no, God, you brought them out of Egypt. They're your people. And, and Moses and God, if you look at the text, they're kind of having this argument, being like, I don't want them. No, I don't want them. Seriously, you have. No, I insist. Please, you, you can lead the Israelites. And Moses pleads with God to say, Lord, please stay true to your promise. Continue to lead us. Even though these people are, are just a little bit nuts and God calls them stiff-necked. That was probably his nice version of saying, you guys are imbeciles. Okay? This is what God felt like. And sometimes we explain God as like, he's just like this lovey-dovey, like hippie in the sky. And he is love. Jesus is the embodiment of love. But God is both true and just. He's both mercy and grace. He does have feelings like that too. And it's righteous anger. And maybe you've used righteous anger as an excuse when you're angry at somebody. This one's just for free, okay? It's probably not true. You're probably just angry. You probably just need to, like, relax and chill out. It's, not, it's probably not righteous anger. I think God is the only one that's good at that. <laughs> it's probably just anger and not so much righteous. Moving on. Second thing that I think we learn from Moses' story here on Mount Sinai. This is where the Ten Commandments happen, by the way. You can read that later. Second thing is, I think we're purposed for presence. Not only do I think we're purposed to worship, we're worship beings, but I think we're purposed for presence. And here's why. I want to read it to you in the next chapter. Exodus 33 says this. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but if you, you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and, I have found, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. So that's Moses saying again, like, okay, please, like, God, <laughs> seriously, they're your people. I'm, I'm just little old Moses. The Lord replies, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, and this is so key. This is why I believe we're purposed for presence. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked me, because I am pleased with you, and you, uh, I'm pleased with you, and I know you by name. We're purposed to worship, and we're purposed for presence. Apart from all the other ideas of call, like what I'm supposed to do with my life, we have to come back to these things. Who we are, who we were created to be, is to worship God, and to be led by the presence of God. Moses didn't think he was such a good leader in the beginning. On the journey, I see the hand of God over his life. God is like, okay, fine, I'll take you to the promised land, but I'm not going to go in with you. He's like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down with that. And Moses says, I'm willing to give up the promise if your presence is going with me. 
That is gutsy for a leader to say. Maybe there's a promise over your life, but if you're not led by the presence of God, do you still want it? It's a crazy, it's a crazy thought. That's how awesome I think Moses was. He said, I can give you everything in the world. In fact, I'm going to give it to you, but I'm not going to hang out with you when you're there. And Moses is like, no, I'd rather just hang out with you, God. He was willing to give up all of the promise, all of the, pre- uh, all of the promised land, all of the things that came with that, which in their mind would have been heaven on earth. That would have been it. He was willing to give all of that up just to spend time with God, just to be led by the presence of God because he knew that the presence of God had only gotten, had gotten him that far to where he was in this story. It's an incredible, incredible thought. We're purposed to worship. We're purposed for presence. You know, I believe we're purposed for presence because we're actually image bearers of God. Like God created you in his image. You know what Christian means? It means little Christ. Like God has called you to be a copy of Jesus. I know that's a kind of a random thought, but what I mean by that is the character, who you are, is actually designed to emulate who Jesus was. And when you do that, you know, in Corinthians, uh, or not, is it in Corinthians? Oh, no, Galatians, Paul talks about um, the fruit of the Spirit. So when you spend time being in the presence of God, you will be more peaceful. You will be more loving. You will have more patience. You will have more self-control. You will be good. You will be faithful. You will be kind. All the other ones that I missed. I don't know if I missed any of them. But spending time with Jesus, being in the presence of God, being led by his presence is your future. Like that is who you are called to be. Somebody that looks like Jesus. Moses said, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, how will people know that we're different? In our church and in our culture and in our world, I don't mean just Bethel, I just mean like church in general. In these circles, we're so consumed with just trying to fit in. Like different things like, all, all, like they immediately turn to they're weird, they're bad, they're wrong. I'm not going to do that. I just want to fit in. I just want to be part of the crowd. God has hand chosen you to not be part of the crowd. He wants you to stick out like a sore thumb. You're like, oh man, that kind of sucks. <laughs> but here's the best thing. It's not that you're going to be different. Like God has not asked you to be a weirdo Christian. Okay? God has not asked you to make it uncomfortable for everybody around you. But what he's asked you to be is different. And Moses got this. This sat with Moses and he understood. If your presence is not with us, if I'm not being led by your presence, I'm just going to look like everybody else. And I'm not okay with that. And I love, I love that Moses was courageous to say, God, I'm willing to give it all up if I'm not led by your presence. You're actually called to be different. People should notice you and notice something different about you, not because you wear a I Love Jesus t-shirt. And you can wear those, and that's great. But it's not that, it's not that at all. They're supposed to notice something different about you because of the way you love people. We're supposed to be different because of the way we show grace when it's extremely undeserved, which is really hard, by the way. We're supposed to be noticed by people by the way that we give, by the way that we invest, by our selfless attitude. That's how we're supposed to be different. Not because we're called a Christian, but because we're little Christ. We're like little Jesuses. It's weird. It's a weird thought. I'm a little Jesus. That sounds like I'm a little teapot. <laughs> we're called and purposed to worship. We're called and purposed for presence. And the best part is presence leads to the promise. Presence leads to the promise. If God has told you a promise for your life, a miracle that you're waiting on, a prayer that you're waiting to be answered, 
You have to stick to the plan. You have to be in step with the Spirit of God. You have to adore being in the presence of God. When we can, when we can just wrap our mind around those two things, I'm not saying life necessarily gets easier or things become more clear, but we actually feel a little bit more alive every day when we worship God and we're led by his presence. Life's a journey, right? I'm not expecting this sermon to flip your world upside down and tomorrow everything gets better or, or you figure out what school you're supposed to go to or who you're supposed to marry or what car you're supposed to buy or when you're supposed to retire or any of that kind of stuff. But what I do believe is when we know that we are called to worship, we're purposed to worship, we're purposed to be led by his presence, we're a little more alive. We're a little more of who we were meant to be. And just like how we're purposed to worship, if we, if we don't worship God, we will worship somebody else. If we're not led by the presence of God, you will be led by somebody else. Like you might even be like uh, somebody who's like an entrepreneur, like you have an entrepreneurial spirit and you need to like start new things and go a different direction that nobody's done. Uh, I believe that can be true to an extent, but I believe that things and people and stories and situations and seasons of life have inspired you to be entrepreneurial. So no matter what, we are created to worship whether we worship God or not, and we're created to follow, to be led by something or someone's presence. But we feel a little bit more alive when we're led by the presence of God. So this morning, I didn't really know exactly how to tie this in, and we tried it in the first service, and it kind of worked. And uh, I want to tell you a little bit about a trip that the students um, here at Bethel are going to be going on in May. So May long weekend every year, we go on a trip to something called Overflow Youth Conference. And this is a time, a weekend where um, students from all over Western Ontario, which our district in the POC is like Young Street and over, which I just think is so funny um, that it's split that way, but it actually is. And all, all the youth groups, all the junior high youth, you know, like grade 7 all the way to grade 12 are going to gather in Waterloo, half an hour down the street, to worship God and to be led by his presence, okay? And this is what Overflow is. Over 4,000 students from different churches and different cultures and different areas of life all come together to worship one God. I am a prodigy of Overflow. Like, I am living proof that Overflow and any other kind of convention or youth events and stuff like that are actually incredibly vital for a young person. I would not be here today if someone did not pay for me to go to Overflow, Okay? That's just, that's literally what it is. Like, my friend Adam's mom paid for me to go to Overflow, and then the years after, like, my parents helped out a little bit, but it's not that we could always afford the whole thing because it's really expensive, and my, my youth pastor, Jeremy, would, he would say, okay, we're going to cover it for you, we're going to raise some funds, and then I'm going to have you work at the church for the next two weeks, and I would set up chairs, and I would clean bathrooms, and do all the kind of stuff that's never fun. Um, but I went to Overflow. I believe in Overflow. Maddie's story is really similar. Like someone helped pay for Maddie to go to Overflow. So I'm not doing the money talk today, but I'm doing the money talk today. And if you're brand new with us, do not feel obligated to give unless you just feel inspired by the Spirit of God to invest in our students. But I want you really quick to check out this video of what Overflow looks like, and then I'll talk a little bit more about it. Overflow. 
I'm so excited for that weekend. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so much fun just to show what was going on. Like, there's games and sports and concerts and food trucks and all the stuff during the day. That's a, a lot of fun to just um, have get students to come together and have a really good time. Uh, at the evenings and in the mornings, there's going to be these uh, sessions, and they have an incredible worship band from worship pastors all across Ontario. They fly in these amazing speakers who will come and encourage our students and uh they will pull potential out of the students and show them who they really are and who they really could be when they are led by the presence of God. It is an incredible weekend. It is my favorite weekend of the whole year. And, and so, this Sunday, we kind of dedicate to something called Coffee Cup Sunday. And unfortunately, there's no coffee. Well, there is coffee, Hebrews Cafe, but there's no coffee in these cups. Uh, Joseph is going to be right there. Joseph, would you just stand up for a sec? And all the students that are coming to Overflow or not, um, take a look at Joseph. And you can just follow Joseph just right now, all the students. Uh, grade 7 to 12, just go ahead and follow Joseph out those doors. Joseph will get you um, the goods, a coffee cup. And what I'm going to ask these students to do is they're kind of going to flood this entrance and flood this entrance. And they're not going to let you leave unless you tell them that you're excited for them and you give them at least a high five. Minimum requirement. But here's what I'm going to ask to do. I don't like asking and talking about money, but I, I feel necessary to do this this morning because if we don't, not everybody gets to go. Here's the thing. Overflow, I, I asked students to pay $160, which most can't actually be able to afford the entire thing because that's a lot of money. A lot of parents even have more than one kid, so it's not $160, it's like $460. And it can be an expensive trip. The fact is, Overflow actually costs more than that, but I just can't fathom asking a student to pay more than like even $160. It's, it's about $200 or a little bit more in some cases in certain years. So to actually go, we need to raise about $2,000, and we had a great time doing this in our first service, so we're going to be able to do it again in a moment. But what I'm asking is, would you invest in, in the next generation? Would you take a moment to invest in students? There's, you could give any way you want. If you've got pocket change, if you've got bills, especially the brown and the red ones. Like they, the students told me those are their favorite colors, brown and red. So any of those, you go ahead, fill up those cups. If you want to write a check, that's awesome. If you want to give a debit or credit, we do have a machine, and it's worth the wait in the lineup, just like it was last service. I'm going to ask you to invest in our students and to invest in our leaders um, to help them go to overflow, because this is an incredible, incredible weekend. So how do I tie this into the sermon? Is this just a sermon to get by so that I can ask you for money? No, because I believe that in your life, you have been a worshiper, and you've been led by the presence of God. And this is going to be a weekend where students get that opportunity uh, maybe for the very first time, like we're bringing 44 people, we're completely sold out. I can't even buy any more tickets. Like I, I'm literally going to have to fight another youth pastor at some other church to buy his tickets. I'm going to have to like force him to give me tickets. There's a waiting list already. We've never been able to bring this many people for. It's an incredible thing. And I thought 44 was thinking big, but God has way bigger plans than that. Half of our group knows Jesus. Half of them are on a journey with Jesus. And some of them have never accepted Jesus. They, they don't understand the grace of Jesus. And I believe on this weekend will be a pivotal moment in their life. Because I remember my story. And I believe that could, there can be a bunch more Carlos, a bunch more Maddies in the youth group that are going to get on fire for God. And overflow is just one, just, it's just one example. I'm not saying it has to happen on this weekend or only happens. This is just, God sets up something really awesome every time this year. So I'm going to ask that you would take a moment just to invest in, and before we do that, I just, I just want to pray. I think, it's, I think it's the right thing to do. So let's just take a moment to pray and ask God. 
Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who has called us, created us, and purposed for so much in this life. God, you've purposed us to be worshipers. Lord, I pray that whatever is our gold, whatever's in our hand, whatever idol that we're worshiping, God, that you would help us just get rid of that so we can fix our eyes back on you and worship the one true God. And Lord, you've called us, you've created us, and you've purposed us to be led, to be led by your presence. So Jesus, I ask that for anybody in the room that feels like they're being led astray by different things of this world and the culture that we live in and the pressure that it is, and you understand how hard it is, Lord, because you were tempted and you were pressured. God, I I pray that you give us the ability, the strength, the anointing to follow you, to be in step with your Holy Spirit, to be led by the presence of God. We ask these things. And Lord, we take a moment right now to say we are going to give and invest for young people to be able to experience the exact same thing. And for many for the very first time. So Lord, we thank you for the ways you've invested in us. And we are choosing now to invest in others. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask that you don't Try and avoid them. Even if you can't give anything, that's totally fine. Give them a high five. Tell them how much you think they're awesome because uh, they really are. And uh, again, brown bills, paper bills, checks, change from your wallet, from your car, anything is, uh, anything is really appreciated. We have to raise around $2,000 to not bite into budget and debt and stuff like that just to go on this trip. So if you are willing to help us, it's so appreciated. And uh, we've gone above and beyond every single year. And I, I, I'm not going to be surprised if we do that again this year because you guys are just really awesome givers. I just want to let you know before you head out, tonight is our business meeting. So just a reminder, if you're a member here at Bethel, please be at the business meeting at 5 p.m. There'll be some time to hang out afterwards. And then there is uh, the encounter service at 6.30 p.m. with uh, a guest speaker from CityGate Church, the lead pastor there. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be really awesome. So make sure you come back for that tonight. Thank you for giving. Thank you for investing in our students. Hope you have an amazing week. And uh, sign up for small groups if you haven't done that either. And we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 